Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Sitting here with Tom Dorian, I'd like to introduce you at the beginning of the show so people Thank don't you. go like, who are you? Thank you. I appreciate that. And you're, you mean you're. My you're, mom appreciates that too. I know it. I, I know she does. Yeah. Gloria. My she, wife, she didn't care. Yeah, she knows you're a wonderful human being. Yeah. She course. already knows that. You don't need to prove it to That's her. That's true. Just because three million people listen to you every week, it's, <laughs> it's not any big deal, right, Tom? That's right. That's right. Very good. Uh, three so, million. Wow. That's cool. Anyway, so we're, we had a cool topic today. It's all cool. You know man. what? I, what what I love about? are these these topics that are like really just happenstance. I mean, because um, a lot of times you know you think about show prep and like, well, how do you get your ideas for the show? Right. This is show number three hundred ninety-five. Sometimes you run out. Well, you think that you run out eventually. It's like I've talked about everything. Yeah. There's nothing else on the planet to talk about. Right. You know, and it's like okay, we ran out. <laughs> we've we've done like uh, how many varieties of beans there are. We've done you know whatever. Uh, no, we have never done that. Yeah. But it seems like we've done a lot of stuff. Show, but I have to believe and trust that the Holy Spirit will just enlighten us when we prayerfully ask, what should we talk about? And this happened to me because uh, it turns out I was recently subbing in, I work in a high school, St. Mm-hmm. Benedict at Auburndale in right. Cordova, Tennessee. Go Eagles. There you go. Right. Welcome to the Eagles nest. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I was subbing in a theology class. That sounds fierce, by the way. I know. Scary. I was subbing in a theology class, and so it was easy that day because, it's a, you know, whenever the person asks for a substitute, it's easy. I'm just showing a video. Right. You know, it's like a dream sub. You know, you just right. walk in there. and Well, I get in there and find out that the class is 50 minutes long and the video is 16 minutes long. Oh, great. You know, so it's like, what are we going to talk about? Great. You know? Well, that's okay. It's no big deal because I can come up with a topic or two. Yeah. Well, it turns out uh, the video was the tail end of a video uh, that was actually quite interesting uh, it was an hour-long video, and they just had 20 minutes left in it. And it was a video on, like, the high Middle Ages and, these, and building cathedrals. Okay. And it was actually quite fascinating. It was talking about, you know, 30 cubits high here and 60 cubits and all these patterns, and certainly the pattern of the cross and the floor and where the altar would sit and the tabernacle, you know, and where people would sit, you know, all these things. It was just fascinating in terms of the construction. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually made me start thinking, which is dangerous it is. In, in a lot of ways. Yes. But I think also uh, it's an awesome, uh, awesome way for the Holy Spirit to really sort of inspire a topic or a possibility of discussion. Because as I was watching this video, the whole last part of this video was really talking about dimensions and how these ancient architects, uh, really from 800 to 1,000 years ago, were literally building these cathedrals according to sort of biblical numbers and proportions. Okay. And, you know, it spent a lot of time talking about this. So after this video was over, which it's, you know, it was fascinating, you know, I said to the kids, like, well, so what are your impressions? And so what I started hearing were things like, well, these things were built according to the, like, Bible codes and secret numbers and, and numerology. And I said, okay, we got to stop this wrong, <laughs> wrong answer. I mean, this is a Catholic school and we're talking about cathedrals. And interestingly, the video itself, I don't want to beat up on the video because it was fascinating. And it was true. It wasn't, it wasn't false. But it was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was missing a whole element because it was a, it was a secular 
network and a right. secular production. So it didn't really want to focus a lot on the inspiration of a cathedral and the purpose and meaning of a cathedral so much as it did the design and architecture and the construction, what went into it. So we, they talked about flying buttresses and things. And right. By the way, I still don't know what a flying buttress is. Do you? you don't know what one is? No. I do. Do you? Yeah. Because I, I always thought it was like some kind of circus high wire act, you know. <laughs> In the center ring, the flying buttresses, you know. I wasn't always sure. I kind of walked into that, didn't Yeah, I? you did. But, Dang, uh, never saw it but, coming. But, but it would talk about those different attributes and all, where right. they came from and the, and the Romanesque versus the Baroque versus right. the whatever. And so those, again, that's fascinating. Yeah. But the kids, like, at the end of it were like, why do we watch that? So luckily, the Holy Spirit inspired. And it's like, well, here's what we should be talking about. Perfect. What part of that cathedral, I mean, why was that cathedral built? Mm-hmm. Because the video didn't really address that. It addressed how it was built. Mm-hmm. Right, and maybe even um, what its purpose would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, certainly there was a need to worship God and these communities, and so we built the building. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, okay, that sounds like a not a very interesting video, but the kids really didn't know a lot of stuff. So I started walking down this path of like these cathedrals and took some of the elements that were presented in here and helped Perfect. them to see that really these are beautiful structures, the cathedrals, but really just churches, especially the the Gothic churches Mm -hmm. just so beautiful and they were meant to be beautiful but the reality is they were more than just beautiful i mean there were lots of beautiful things in the world Mm -hmm. but they were meant to be more than just beautiful and it wasn't simply just to be a functional space Mm -hmm. because functional spaces can be any kind of thing right and it's even more than like a testimony of that that community's faith interestingly they there was a lot of competition you know back then you know, my cathedral can beat up your cathedral. You right. know, my cathedral is three cubits taller than yours. You know, there's right. a lot of competition. But really, building these these giant churches wasn't about those things. Those things may have been true, but that's not why they were built. And so I want to kind of talk about why these big churches are built. And, and I think it's going to help us translate nicely into modern construction and, and what, what we have in our own churches and whether that's important or not. Mm-hmm. And maybe whether, I'll just sort of give a little preamble here, but have we forgotten some of these, these meanings and purposes in, in terms of the construction? Mm-hmm. So I help, them, I help those kids to see that there, there are really three main purposes in the way in which a giant ancient church would be built there's three main purposes that we need to address that they addressed and if you think about it it makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. but the first one is certainly all of these churches were were tall they were great edifices that you would you would look up and 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 you would see and they'd have these big giant tall spires at the top maybe with a crucifix or a cross on the top or whatever and and there were just these these mammoth things that caused you to stand out in front of it and wonder in awe and look up at the immensity of this thing, mm-hmm. right? And see this thing towering above you. But even more so, like, you've been to Europe, right? You've been to different places in Europe. And only, only to, um, yeah, only to Turkey, or I guess it's part, part of Europe. But you saw some uh, some nice churches and stuff oh, there. spectacular. Right. So, like, in, in European towns especially, uh, in Western Europe, you you would start to see, uh, like, as you came into a town, mm-hmm. you'd be going through a bunch of nothing, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, you would see in the distance, hey, there's a town. Mm-hmm. And it would usually be around a hill. Right. Right. And, and a lot of these towns were built on hills. A lot of it is and like... The top of the hill would be the church. Right in the center. Yeah. 
right? Oh, and yeah. so the first thing about the church would be it'd be tall, yeah. it'd be the center of the town, it'd be the central focus, and that would help people to see that God, the that our faith, building on the tallest point, right? Yeah, and and it would lead us upward. It's, and and right. those spires are like fingers pointing to God. And and yeah. even now, you still look at church churches, and you'll look at that little Baptist church on the corner with that big tall spire, steeple. Presbyterian, Methodist, the steeples with the little cross on the top. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, even there. Uh, and some of these great tall uh, Catholic cathedrals and, and churches, you you would they, they they lift your eyes heavenward, right? They lift your eyes up, and they would take you to where um, <coughs> where your bless you, thank you, excuse me, Gesundheit, right? Danke. Yes. So they, uh, your eyes would take you there, right? Right, and 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 your heart then would go and follow. Mm-hmm. So basically, they were tall, and they pointed the way to God. Right. Right. And the central focus of that town. Now, the second aspect mm-hmm. that, that these ancient churches, like the architecture, the construction, the design, what, what it would help, the, the practical purpose for it, was also that it was built certainly of sturdy materials, certainly more sturdy than anything else in the town. So marble, granite, limestone, all these different varieties of, of stones and agates and essentially sturdy, permanent Strong materials, right. stuff that's meant to last. Exactly, and and the key there is that it that is essentially ties to the eternity of God. That that you, my brother, will pass away. Remember, you are dust, and as the dust you shall return. But this cathedral will last, as Christ's church will last for eternity. Hmm. Right, and so it was always like built that way. So they didn't. Now I know in the early church, when they were hiding. Mm-hmm. Right, for fear of persecution, mm-hmm. well, certainly they weren't building these big, tall edifices and structures no. of permanent material because they were so they had house churches and things like that by necessity. The catacombs, but but as soon as they were able to be out in the open in the sunlight, mm-hmm. right, these churches start going up, right, so that people would walk by and go like, I know what that is, right, I know what happens there, right, and it leads me there, and this. Sturdy construction, this long-lasting, enduring, eternal construction. Again, it helps us to see that our faith is not going anywhere. The church is not going anywhere. The religion, it's not going anywhere. God is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? So, tall and pointing to God, center of the town, etc. Sturdy, eternal, long-lasting. And then the third aspect that's important, and this one's, a lot of people miss this, but it's, it's part of this classical construction. How did they adorn these churches? They were filled with beautiful stained glass windows, mm-hmm. right? And certainly with, with lovely statuary, right? Statues and glass everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you think, well, those were pretty adornments. Maybe that was just the fashion of the time because you don't see a lot of stained glass being used in modern times. Maybe because the, the craft is expensive. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you stop and think about it. Um, what was the purpose of that? Now, tell a story. Well, exactly. Because you look at it and you realize, um, as Catholics, we know we don't worship statues. We don't worship windows. We don't? No, we don't. Oh, okay. Tom. You, 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 two I dem- learned something today. Yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly. But you know, people are misled into thinking like, well, we don't need all that. Right. Right. In fact, after the Reformation, there started to be these churches that were just sort of like white wood slat buildings that were just plain whatever and they would have a pulpit and maybe a a, a cross right. at the top but that's that's about the most you got 
Right. Right. It's all about the Word of God. And, and I'm not saying I don't want to dismantle the Word of God, certainly, but interestingly, what a lot of people don't realize is the vast majority of people at that time, literally the vast majority of people on the earth were illiterate. They're illiterate, yeah. They couldn't read. You could give everybody a Bible. Here's your personal Bible. Right. Right. Here's what the Word of God has to say. And they'd say, I can't read this. Right. It looks pretty, but I can't read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you communicate the faith other than hearing, other than oral communication, to a person who's illiterate? Picture and says a thousand exactly words. Exactly. You know, there's some of these beautiful windows you see with these lovely Bible scenes in it. Mm-hmm. You still go into the, the churches these days, uh, even now, and you look at some of these churches that the windows were, were made by the Germans or whatever in the 1800s. Gorgeous windows. And you go right. like... That's a really cool scene. Oh, that's the scene where Jesus is baptized. Oh, that's the scene where this happens or that happens, uh, right. you know, the Red Sea. And you start seeing all these scenes laid out. Well, that instructs and teaches. That's right. And so a church is it's tall. It points the way to God. It's the center, central focus of the community. It is sturdy and eternal. And certainly it teaches. Mm-hmm. It helps people to know more about their faith because they know more about their God and the story that he's told, the story of salvation. So, like, those three things are the ultimate reasons behind the construction of these churches. Now, the next question then becomes, what do we do with that? Perfect. That was 800 years ago, right? 1,000 years ago. What do we do now? So here's the big question, right? Mm-hmm. And what do we do when we have a big question on this show? We go to a break. We go to a break because we want to like, keep them hanging, on, on on the edge of their seat and so you're good yeah right we're going to do that and we're going to come back and talk more about uh the building of these churches the high middle-aged churches the gothic churches the beautiful construction uh its meaning and purpose and then how does that translate into today when we come back before we do that I want to remind folks at home we got a great website thecatholiccafe.com and also i would love to hear from you i've gotten some really cool emails lately uh, and uh, would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. 
Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the Church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And this is Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with my buddy Tom. She's good, isn't she? My wife is wonderful. She's excellent. Yeah. You know, I love the salary, too. We can, it's very affordable. <laughs> when, you, when your wife, like, contributes to the program. Now, she's worth a lot. Oh, Tom. That voice. She's priceless. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, she's good. She's absolutely. And I think I'm going to keep her. We had her for 30 years. I think that's a good idea. And I'm looking Hopefully for 30 more. Hopefully she'll keep you. Yeah, that's, that's the question. That's the key. That's Always the key. And guys, you need to be right. aware right. that it's not about what you think no. and what you want. It's what she thinks. That's right. That's so right. we got that part straight. So we're talking about the construction of churches in this yes, beautiful, you know, it was such a neat thing to be in that classroom with those kids and to watch them watch this and all of a sudden they didn't realize how important churches were in in terms of like the people actually thought there was a reason why they constructed churches a certain way why they were designed why the architects saw the need to put things in certain places and Mm -hmm. at certain heights and all these things and it wasn't just about magic numbers or some kind of weird numerology thing which we don't believe in Mm -hmm. right but to 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 design these things in a way that number one that would be that would be tall and and lift our sights uh, really to God mm-hmm. and to be the central focus in our life, right? To be the top of the hill, the highest point uh, in the center of the town, right? That these churches are, are built on or typically were built on for the purpose of leading us to God and letting us know right. that is the number one priority in our life. And certainly that second thing being built out of these sturdy materials like marble and granite and limestone, that they're going to endure and last forever and no windstorm is going to just blow them down, right? right? Like the little grass hut we might live in or mud hut or whatever, right. it's it's going to last. Right. And this is going to be a construction that everyone can be proud of and they pour their whole heart and soul into because it is eternal like God. And then that third thing, the idea of, of, of it teaching, of, the, of the, the building itself teaching us, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the placement of the baptismal font right. at the entrance or entryway mm-hmm. or outside in a separate building, a baptistry, that you, the, the way you entered the church was through, through baptism. baptism. Right, and you start thinking, oh, well, so there's some wisdom in the placement of the baptismal font. Right. But the statues, especially in the, in the, uh, uh, the beautiful stained glass windows, everyone gets you know, up in arms about graven images, and didn't God you know, prohibit that? And the answer is no, he prohibited the worship of graven images. Right. Uh, but, but the point here is 
people are being taught. They're illiterate. They're being taught through these beautiful stained glass windows. And certainly by seeing these saints and the, 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 the modeling of the lives of the saints mm-hmm. inspires us to live a better life. And so these, these are really beautiful things to think about. And someone might look at that and go, well, that's the way they used to do it. Mm-hmm. But I like it now when it looks like our you know, church came out of a, is in a shopping mall. Right. Because you know, it's really not about what it looks like. It's really just about like what happens in it. Mm-hmm. Now, I will agree that what happens in a church is the most important thing. Yep. But I will not agree that in some way that harmony, beauty, symmetry, uh, majesty are not representable in, in image and form and, and don't lead us closer to God. I won't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I know the number of times that like when we renovated our parish in Memphis at mm-hmm. St. Louis Catholic Church, it's beautiful in there. Mm-hmm. And it's got a baldacchino. It's, just, it's got this Romanesque kind of uh, sanctuary. Up there. It's just beautiful. And uh, um, you know, I know I have personally witnessed like a young bride-to-be come in and go like, I am getting married here. And there's just something about that when you walk in that inspires you into something, into the sacred. Right. You don't necessarily know what a flying buttress is like me. Right. You don't know that, mm-hmm. but you know there's something beautiful about that that, that leads us somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so the question then becomes, like, does your church do that? Good does, question. Does, is, your, is your church help you see that God is the central focus in your life, that, that you're drawn to him and your eyes are lifted up to him in heaven, up, upward, always going upward, right? Good question. You know, d- does your church, is it built in a way that you know it's going to last long before you last? Mm-hmm. Not, not just the congregation and, and, the, and the, the incorporated existence of that institution, but literally the building. Mm-hmm. It's not going to blow away, mm-hmm. right? No, no scandal, no travesty is going to tear it down. It will last forever like the church, mm-hmm. right? The kingdom of God will last forever. And does, does, I mean, does, your, does your church look like that? Mm-hmm. Does it cause you to think that? And certainly, does your church teach? When you go into your church, I mean, are there statues? Everyone thinks like, ah, that's the way they used to do it. It's like, where are the statues? Where are the stained glass windows? And where are the, the, the beautiful mosaics and the frescoes and the things that, that are imagery that, that cause us to, to recount the great salvation story in, in, in beautiful images? And, and I, I, I just, I challenge a lot of people to think like, well, you know, I think in a sense, Tom, I think we've kind of lost some of that, you know, more recent architecture is not quite as ornate. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just, it's not along the veins of tall, sturdy and teaching. Right. Permanent, you yeah. know, leading us. It, it's more like design things and to win awards. And some of them look sort of like temporary mm-hmm. now i'm certainly not thinking that saying that you're in an inferior per- parish and if you have these negative qualities you need to leave immediately <laughs> that's not what i'm saying right but i am asking us you know as catholics what we do when we go to mass before mass and after mass when we're when we're in the church praying what, what are we contemplating what are we thinking about and realize that we can actually look at the church and be inspired mm-hmm. and are we and so the, then the question becomes, well, if we're not, either we haven't paid attention and to see these elements and understand what they're calling us to do. For instance, you know, where is the tabernacle? Mm-hmm. Is it in the center? Because, again, as a father of nine, it's like if I want my kids, if I want their attention, I will 
raise my voice and I will wave my hands a little bit. Mm-hmm. I will stand out in front of them. And then I know that I am the center of attention. Right. In the same way, if I want to confuse them, I'll stand behind them and start saying things and giving them instructions. And they're not really because they're looking at other stuff. Right. And so a lot of times, you know, there's been a move for, from some bishops to start to move tabernacles back to the center of churches. And again, I'm not saying if your tabernacle's not there, you're in a bad church. Right. I am saying that you should invite yourself into contemplating, is the placement of the tabernacle edifying? Is it focusing? Is it, is it spiritually uplifting? Do I understand that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of my faith? Mm-hmm. And, and so where this will help is in discussions going forward, whether there are going to be renovations whether there's going to be some kind of new church construction. What, what do we do? What are the design principles we should, we should in, employ that are really going to do those things that cause us like, to, to, to be better Catholics? Mm-hmm. right? Because that environment we're in, it's, it's huge. It is. But you, what, what, is like, what, what is something you think about a, a design or something that you like, you know, that, that you see... That when you walk into a church, what are you looking at? Oh, the first things I see are the tabernacle, of course. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I, I'm drawn by altar rails. You don't see as many of those anymore. You a don't. lot of people have gotten you rid don't. of them. But one of the neat things about altar rails is just in terms of their construction, certainly they separated the laity from the, uh, the sanctuary, also, the holy of holies. To me, it suggests reverence. Yeah, see, so now you look at that and you go like, what's in front of that? Right. What's in, what are we kneeling down in front of? Exactly. It's the altar of sacrifice. It's the tabernacle. It's exactly. the crucifix. Right. Again, it orients us and focuses us. Yeah. It's just part of construction that helps do that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a visible separation between where we sit, right, and what's happening there. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a special place. It's like the burning bush. Right. And Moses was told to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground. Mm-hmm. It's holy ground. It doesn't mean we can't approach. It doesn't mean that we should never cast our eyes upon it. It just helps set it apart. Right. Right. It's not meant to separate to the point where God doesn't want to be with you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be present with you because we receive him in holy communion and we are truly in union with him. We, we taste the divine, right? That's right. And so it's just the construction helps to, to I mean, teach kids. Oh, yeah. So those are things we, we need to look at. And I'm sure there's lots of folks that are going to be thinking like, what does my church do? What can I do? Just pray about this stuff. Right. Right. And it's a, it's a, maybe it's a personal taste thing for me, but I loved studying these things about the cathedrals and, the, and, and churches and wondering how much do we know about those things and how much do we learn and how much do we love our faith because of that construction. That's right. We have great tradition and great history. Yep. Right? We do. Let's ask our blessed mother, to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.